Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for spending your most valuable resource your time once again with me. For another episode on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, again, everything Cashflow Ninja in our Cashflow Ninja universe is at CashflowNinja.com. We've got over 820 episodes now, tools, resources, programs. And of course, you can also grab a copy of my latest book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches, Creating Wealth and the Best Alternative, Cashflow Investments on Amazon or at CashflowNinja.com. And when you do grab a copy of the book, please screenshot a proof of your purchase and send it to my team at info at cashflowninja.com and you'll get access to a digital version of the book, audio version of the book, a curated library of interviews where we talk about these niches and all the other bonus goodies. It's at cashflowninja.com or Amazon. I'm very excited to jump into today's episode. I have my good friend, Kevin Nichols from Penumbra Solutions with us. He's been on the show before. I would highly recommend if this is the first time that you're hearing Kevin, because we've got a lot of new listeners, uh, go to CashflowNinja.com and type in Kevin Nichols. You'll see that there's a couple of other interviews that Kevin has done where we talk about so many different aspects uh, about life settlements and more within that industry. Um, so definitely do that if this is your first time that you're hearing Kevin. But Kevin, my friend, great to see you and thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to see you too. Now, for folks that are not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey and what you're up to? Sure. We, we currently uh, we, we manage private equity funds that uh, invest in uh, senior life settlements. And um, senior life settlement is a life insurance policy that is owned by or has a beneficiary or is where an insured is over 85 years old. And they no longer want the policy. They either can't afford it. it it's of no use to them. Uh, and uh, they want to let it go. And uh, generally, their heirs or their beneficiaries, generally, they have the first option to buy it if they want. Most of them can't afford the premium payments because they can be quite expensive, as you might imagine. And uh, so they put it to market. And uh see what they can get for it. These policies have no cash value typically. And so uh, anything they get is going to be uh, kind of a windfall for them, help to recover some of the cost of the uh, the premium payments that they made uh, while they had the policy. All of these policies are universal life policies. They, uh, they start out as term policies that have a convertibility rider. And uh, before we buy the policy, it has to be converted to uh, uh, permanent insurance, which is universal life. And uh, that way we know that it, the policy is not going to term out on us. Um, and then uh, we make a bid on it. And uh, depending on the health of the of the individual of the insured, uh, you know, the cost of the, the, the policy, um, the premium, obviously, um, and uh, when it will be profitable, when it turns unprofitable for us and uh, put it into an algorithm that we've created. And then we, uh, we make a bid. And uh, if they buy it, then we or if they accept our bid, then we fund an escrow account and buy the policy. Uh, we have to use what is called a life settlement provider. Every state is, uh, you are required to use a life settlement provider. And they're kind of, uh, they're like an escrow company. They also uh, have a, a legal team to represent the insured. 
we don't deal directly with the insured ever. We, we use a third party broker. Um, so it's always an arm's length. Uh, they need to, life settlement provider will make sure that the, uh, the policy is past the contestability period, that the, uh, there are no liens against the policy, that it's not in lapse or in grace, and that the um, uh, beneficiaries uh, are okay with uh, grandma selling her policy. So uh, we don't want to have uh, somebody coming back angry and wanting, you know, threatening to sue us. We've never been sued, but you know, you cer certainly don't want even that hint of uh, uh, of a possibility. We purchased, uh, oh heavens, to date probably close to 1,900 policies over the last 12 years, and uh, um, never had an issue with any of them. But uh, and then as an investor, you know, they can they, they invest and uh, they become a part of a pool and uh, we pool the money together and we buy the policies. Uh, typically, if we raise $10 million uh, in a fund, we will generally hold back 40 percent of that or four million for premiums. And that's all held by Bank of Utah. Uh, an important point, we don't ever touch the client's money. We don't even have access to it. But uh, if we raise $10 million, then we would have the, uh, the custodian, Bank of Utah, hold the, the $4 million. We would deploy the $6 million into the marketplace, and we would be looking for death benefits in the range of, say, $35 to $40 million. So that gives us an equity multiplier of anywhere from three and a half to four to begin with. And that, that gives us a good yield over the life of the fund, uh, which is typically about 10 years where an investor is going to end up with, uh, you know, close to three times their investment uh, over the life of the fund. It's not a cash flow uh, investment, in fact, um, but it's a growth play. And um, if an investor isn't going to need the money for 10 years and they want it safe, where it's not going to be exposed to the marketplace, where we can't touch it, uh, it's a great investment for long-term money, whether it's IRA money, 401k, cash money, trust, what have you? Yep, a absolutely. I think one of the things that that I really um, that attracted me to the, this asset class was the non-correlation of financial mm -hmm. markets, and this is one way of essentially how investors can buy their equity in an asset class, just yes. like the institutions do. Which there's not a lot of uh, uh, asset classes that allows you to to do this, and this is why folks like. Warren Buffett from Berkshire Hathaway and mm -hmm. uh, Bill Gates and all uh, those folks are interested in this and very heavily invested in this asset class, right? Absolutely. The interesting dynamic of, of this asset class is we know how much we're going to make on our investment. We just don't know exactly when we're going to make it. And so, you know, we try and make that more predictable. We, we buy, we specialize in buying policies on people who are, uh, well, average age about 90 to 92 years old. So yep. uh, we don't have to rely heavily on a medically underwritten life expectancy estimate. We rely on actuarial departments of the CDC, of uh, the insurance industry, valuation basic tables, which are very conservative. And that gives us a better idea so we can we can be more accurate in predicting when we're going to uh, you know, get paid out on these funds. So um, it, it just it works out really nicely. Yeah. Absolutely. Before I forget, I yeah. wanted to mention that there is a chapter in the book, the 21 Best Cash Flow Niches about life settlements. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to forget saying this. So I just wanted to share that. So if a lot of what Kevin is saying right now, you're picking up uh, bits and pieces. And again, repetition is how we learn. And this is the first time you're exposed to this. 
just listen to this episode again. And then also there's a chapter in the book where we break it down for you too. If this is your first exposure to it, one of the things that I also just wanted to touch on is number one, this is legal. This is settled law in the United States. So this isn't uh, something that uh, is out out of left field, number one, and maybe you can elaborate on that. And then number two, uh, there is a win-win situation deal structured here between the person selling a policy and the versus the, the the people buying it. This isn't someone that's been taken advantage of. There's a lot of benefits uh, that sellers of these policies get, and sometimes they're in a situation where this might be the 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 only thing that 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 allows them to live out their life comfortably. I'm thinking, you know, if somebody uh, let's just say circa 2008 2009, where do most Americans and people globally have their money? Stock market, 401ks, IRAs, and their houses. What got just absolutely smacked yeah. uh, in 2008, 2009? Well, the housing market and then your the, the stock market. So now all of a sudden, a person that had that portfolio set up uh, lost 40 to 50% of the value of their house, lost 40 to 50 to 60% of the value of their uh, portfolio. So what do they do if they need medical help? They want to live out their life comfortably. Well, maybe they had a life insurance policy, which at that stage that they could sell to get actual liquidity from and live out their life comfortably. Um, You want to just comment on the legal side of this? Sure. Uh, Because this is the the first thing that new listeners and viewers might think about. Like, whoa, wait a second. What are they they talking about? And then number two, uh, just touch on this uh, on the win win side, because when once I started looking into this asset class and I started to see that side of the story, it really made a lot of sense sure. uh, uh, overall and in general to uh, um, as an asset class, because you could see the win win there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- this was uh, adjudicated back in uh, 1911. There, there was a, a case that went before the Supreme Court called Grigsby versus Russell. Uh, where a, uh, a farmer needed a surgery. He didn't have uh, the money for the surgery. And so uh, he offered the surgeon his life insurance policy um, to pay for the surgery. So the surgeon got the, the policy. And then uh, when the gentleman passed a few years later, he went to collect on it. And the, and the company uh, said, we don't, you know, we're not going to pay because uh, you didn't have an insurable interest in that. And so he sued and he won. And it went, to, went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, the the ruling, in fact, was handed down by uh, then Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. And, and essentially it said that once you get past the contestability period of a life insurance policy, it is yours to do with as you choose. Uh, you don't have to have an insurable interest to own it once you have to have an insurable interest to initiate it or take it out, but not to buy it from someone who uh, who owns it. And so um, that's been challenged um, several times over the last 110 years, uh, but never, uh, never has it changed uh, the law. In fact, the, the courts have become fairly intolerant of life insurance companies um, stalling uh, if you will, uh, or trying to litigate the fact that uh, they, you know, they don't have to pay. In fact, I think uh, recently there was a, a case in New York City or in the state of New York where the company was forced to pay treble three times the death benefit simply because they they challenged it uh, and didn't have a, have any basis. Um, 
So perfectly legal uh, happens all the time. Uh, and, um, you know, the benefit of, of this is, you know, it takes someone who may have a, a life insurance policy. Now, bear in mind, the policies that we're purchasing are not uh, they're not whole life policies, uh, simply because whole life policies are great for for other things, just not for our purposes, because we don't want to build cash value. So uh, whole life policies, of course, are great for that, but not suitable for what we do. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got term life policies, which have the absolute cheapest premiums. Uh, but the downside of a term policy is, of course, that it will term out and you'll no longer be able to uh, have coverage. So most term policies have what is called a convertibility rider, where the insured can at any point in time uh, convert the term policy to permanent insurance or universal life insurance, where it's guaranteed to be renewable to age 100, 105, 120 in some cases. Uh, and uh, of course, the premiums go up, but that's a known. That's, that, that, that's something we can quantify and we can then figure, you know, is it going to be profitable or not? So uh, most of these people, they either they, they have either purchased the policy in the last five years for estate planning purposes um, and no longer need the coverage of the policy. Uh, sometimes they're just people who have purchased a term life policy uh, and have had it, you know, five or six years and uh, can no longer afford it because, of course, the premiums go up as they get older. Um, and so they uh, they will look to to sell the policy again. They have no cash value in the policy. So they have a couple of options. And those options are either a uh, lapse the policy uh, with it, which is fine for the insurance company because, you know, 90 to 95% of all insurance insurance policies lapse, which is great for the insurance company. Uh, the average length of time that an insured holds a policy is less than seven years. So if you're an insurance, co an insurance company, you're going to get paid on this policy for seven years. And then there's a 90% chance that it's going to, they're going to just walk away from it. That's, I mean, if, if Vegas could do that with, with, uh, with, with slot machines, I mean, you know, they would do it everywhere. You know, it's it, it, it's a great business model. So uh, we're able to take that policy. Uh, we pick up the premium payments. And um, then when the insured passes, we pick up the death benefit. We pay for the for the policy. Sometimes we will allow the insured to retain a, a portion of the death benefit uh, because a lot of times they're not going to be insurable once they drop this policy. Uh, so we'll take, uh, you know, 25% and set it aside, make them uh, an irrevocable beneficiary uh, or, uh, you know, or sliding scale, you know, depending on what their needs are. So we can be somewhat creative, you know, within the law and within uh, the structure of, of, uh, of making it profitable for our investors. Yep, absolutely. One of the things, too, which I found fascinating uh, besides, and I mentioned already how institutions and, and big investors right. buy their equity essentially because you know what the payout's going to be. So now the variable here is time, the unknown variable, and that determines the rate of the the, the rate of return on this. Uh, but what I found fascinating was one of the biggest buyers of this is life insurance companies. Oh yeah, actually buys other <laughs> companies' yes. Yes, policies as a hedge. And as a risk management strategy. Sure. Yeah. In fact, uh, the biggest player in uh, in the life settlement business is a very large life insurance company. I'm not going to say the name. Uh, and they have a uh, they've set up a subsidiary and they actually 
they compete with us. They will buy policies from other companies, uh, which I find interesting. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, they are the biggest player right now uh, is the insurance industry itself. Of course, you've got guys like Buffett, who's a big player in, in insurance altogether. I mean, I believe he owns Geico. He owns Fireman's Fund. He owns uh, several insurance companies, yep. uh, you know, and uh, he owns literally uh, I want to say billions, it's, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, possibly billions of dollars, both personally and through Berkshire. Um, you know, Bill Gates uh, and their foundation, they own, uh, rumor has it, close to one billion or so. Uh, it, it's it has historically been something that has been used by institutions uh, for safe money because they can, you know, they can make a great yield, a great return on uh, their money and not be exposed to the marketplace uh, at all. I mean, and since 1845, no B plus or better rated life insurance company in America has ever failed to pay a death benefit. So how safe is that? I mean, if an annuity is safe, if a life insurance policy is safe, you know, these are equally as safe, if not safer, because it's more diversified and the yield is, is substantially better. I mean, we're targeting, we're targeting 10 to 12% annualized net of fees. Uh, some of our later funds have been quite a bit better than that. Uh, it, it just depends. But over time, you know, you don't want to be greedy. 10 to 10 to 12 percent annualized net of fees uh, is is excellent. Our fees are incredibly low. We set this up for uh, ourselves, quite frankly, my partner and I and uh, our first investors were were family members. My dad was our very first investor. And uh, I mean, we've never changed our fee structure. Uh, it's, it's extremely low, extremely low. We've actually been criticized uh, for not charging more because uh, uh, we're leaving money on the table. But, you know, again, it's for us. And um, by the time we hit our second fund, it was clear that, that we, we needed to open it up because so many other people wanted, wanted into it. Uh, and so it worked out really well. Yeah, ab absolutely. And full disclosure, I'm an investor. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I like is to partner with folks that eat their own cooking. You know, as I yep. jokingly say, Absolutely. they eat their own cooking without throwing up. <laughs> so yeah. uh, they're in there with you in, in the deal, which is very important for any yes. investment that you're looking at or considering. You want to make sure that the folks that you're working with and dealing with are also involved in that asset clause. Right. Um, you mentioned the, the life insurance industry, and it's fascinating to see. I mean, obviously, in the the where we are right now in the year, there's a lot of portfolio rebalancing going on. But even through last year, there were things that I started to pick up in the news. Uh, one of the things was, I think the Wall Street Journal did an article about this, but BlackRock was buying a lot of it, taking a massive position, not only in every asset class in the rest of the world, but also life insurance. Which sure. I found very interesting to the to your point, where if you look at track record and guarantees uh, in, in for with regards to insurance companies, it makes sense that a lot of these companies, such as they're just one of them, but you know, obviously everybody picks on the the big nine hundred pound gorilla in the room. Right. Uh, but companies like Black, BlackRock taking a position in that as part of their portfolio, right? Right. Yeah. It's uh, the, the more you look into it, the more you realize it's it's a it's a very widely used. Uh, asset class, uh, again, historically for large institutional investors. Um, I think uh, Credit Suisse at one point had over $100 billion uh, in, in the market in, in life settlements. Uh, Merrill used to be a big player. Yep. So, uh, but there are a lot of institutional investors. You just, it's just not something that 
is, is well known because it's not well published because most in most individual investors can't get into it because you can't afford it. Now, by doing structuring it the way that we've structured it, uh, we make it, uh, you know, we make it available to, um, you know, it's, it's not available to anybody. It's designed for accredited investors. But, uh, you know, bringing it down to even that level has is uh, making it much more readily available for most people. Right. And it becomes a, and it's a security, essentially. Absolutely. Then. It for is folks with self-directed funds and so forth. Um, you cannot necessarily go out and do this on your own with a self-directed no. IRA. But because it's a security, the fund, you can actually own this inside of that as part of your portfolio. Just yes. wanted to uh, share that because there's a lot of folks that. Uh, have self-directed accounts that, um, you know, they, they're not aware of this. They're not aware right. of what they're not aware of because most folks would have told them, oh, you cannot own a life insurance policy right. uh, in it, or you cannot buy a life insurance policy through sure. a life settlement and, and put it in there. Right. Yes, that's true. And, and there are various reasons why uh, this doesn't cross that line where the IRS will not allow you to have uh, a life insurance policy inside of your IRA for obvious reasons. Uh, the money goes in tax deferred, and then you decide that you're going to build cash value and uh, borrow against it and take it out tax free. That doesn't work for them. So we, uh, when we settle a policy, uh, we essentially that golden goose status of life insurance where it, uh, the death benefit is completely tax free, it goes away. Uh, now, if if we let the original insured or beneficiaries of that policy retain a portion of it, to them, it is still that portion is still uh, tax free. But for us, it is not. It is taxable. Uh, mo for most people, it's going to be taxable as ordinary income. Yep, absolutely. Um, what is going on in the industry currently? If if you don't mind, just giving us an update because I've gotten a lot of questions about life settlements, especially. Good. Good. See what's been going on since twenty twenty. Obviously. We've had a lot of things happening in the world. And um, there's a CEO of one of the oldest companies, uh, life insurance companies in the United States that just came out and kind of shocked everyone, where he said that they had a 40% increase uh, in, in deaths uh, from working ages, 18 to 62 or 65, I believe. Uh, but anyway, he was sharing this in 2021, 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 2020, everything was kind of even Stevens, not a big difference right. between 2019 and 2020, sure. 2021, obviously there was changes and this is one insurance company folks. So mm -hmm. please, uh, you know, every company's different. They all have a different book of business. They do a lot of group life insurance, by the way, that's why you were sharing that too. So, you know, you have, you have to take it, <laughs> you have to take it from where it's coming yeah. and think why they're getting the numbers that they're getting. So that's not a flat line across the board, but you see things like that snippets, which gives you an insight. Um, mm. And by the way, too, the other thing before I forget, because folks will listen to this and say, because of COVID, no, he actually said that most of the deaths were not from it. It's sort of secondary or tertiary kind of effects, whether it be heart attacks, uh, strokes, whether it be, um, you know, diabetes, uh, whether it be, you know, whatever the reasons were, there's a lot of other things that people can die from. It'll take me forever to list it. <laughs> and I don't think anybody wants to listen to it. Um, but uh, it isn't necessarily from that. So what have you seen uh, from your side in the niche that you're at? And, and what are some of the things that uh, that you found interesting? Well, I, I think I, 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 uh, I agree with the, the statement because uh, from a personal standpoint, uh, it's been harder to get things, you know, surgery scheduled. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, as you know, my wife has had recently had some surgery and uh, the doctor said specifically, it's simply because uh, the, the hospitals are, are, you know, pushing their capacity. Uh, they have reduced capacity due to COVID and what capacity they do have is being was being dedicated to COVID. And so uh, surgeries uh, were being postponed sometimes for a year um, from the standpoint of our in, uh, insurance and has has COVID impacted uh, our funds? And the answer to that is no, it hasn't. Uh, I, I wish it had, but it has not. So, um, you know, because most of the people in our funds, uh, who the insurance are much older than that, uh, you know, they're, they're again, 88 to 92 years old. Um, then what happens is, um, uh, what happens is, uh, you know, those people, they kind of, their families kind of draw them in and, and uh, uh, you know, they're not out doing a lot of things anyway. And so they, they draw them in and they protect them. Uh, and so we've seen that happen quite a bit. So there really has been no uh, impact, significant impact one way or the other uh, on mortality in our funds at all. Yeah. No, it's in interesting stuff. So it's yeah. a fascinating asset clause um, that, I would say is 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 very the more interesting it gets, the more you learn about it. You know, one of the things, and I want to talk a little bit about risk because we talk about uh, it being a non-correlated asset to financial markets. So I'll just share one or two, you know, things that from the top of my mind, and maybe you can add to that. But the biggest, I mean, obviously we've we've shared the variable of time, right? Time as a risk fa factor in it. But with every investment, and that's why I wanted to share this again, with every investment, with every fund, with every opportunity, it comes down to the operator and the company that's dealing with it. You know, how are they managing it? You could have the best real estate deal in the best spot of town, uh, the most desirable place. If you have a, a poor operator and it's mismanaged, it's going to be run into the ground. Mm -hmm. The same thing with life settlements. So not all life settlements funds are equal. I just want to say that as with any industry, right. as cash flow ninjas know, there are undesirable characters in every single industry. So the first, the, the, the big one that I would say is do your due diligence on the operator and the company because the management, and maybe you can speak to that because um, you know, most folks don't know that you might get premium calls and so forth if it's mis mismanaged, right? Um, and then obviously time. Uh, what are, uh, If you want to add to that, maybe just comment on the first two that I said and, and any other risk that you can share. Well, uh, you know, the, the biggest risk in this industry are typically unsavory characters uh, who can run off with your money. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that we don't ever have, we've never had access to the money and it's hard to get in trouble when you don't have access to the money. Um, and so we have to manage premiums. Uh, we, and that's a full-time job, quite frankly. Uh, we've never had a premium call. It's possible that we could have a premium call uh, and it states so in, in the memorandum that, that we send out, um, which is like a prospectus, but we've never had to have one because of the way we manage it. Now we, uh, we, reserve right off the bat, generally about 40% of what we raise for premiums. Um, so we're very conservative that way. And, um, you know, that's the most important thing. You've got to be able to protect the policies that you have because those are the assets of the fund. Um, 
you know, beyond that, we've been doing this for 13 years. Um, we, you know, we, we started as investors, uh, small investors personally, and then we, we set up our first fund together. Uh, and um, really, it hasn't changed at all. I mean, the way that we do it, um, we don't have any ongoing fees at all. And uh, the fees that we ha do have are, are very low. Uh, we charge one and a half percent for organizational offering fee, which covers the upfront expenses. That's a reimbursement to us. Uh, and then we have a two and a half percent management fee on the back end. Uh, like you said, we do eat our own chili here and um, we invest in every fund right alongside your investors. Uh, you know, my dad was our first investor and uh, Jim's uh, mother-in-law. Uh, we have uh, family members, both sides of our family who are investors in the fund. Um, and, um, you know, we've never had uh, we've never had to have a premium call. Um, we've uh, never had an investor lose any money in any of our funds. Um, so we're proud of that. We're very conservative. Um, you know, I think Bruce Lee said, uh, a man who can do 10,000 things does not impress me, but one, a man who, who has done one thing 10,000 times is who I respect. And we try to be that. You know, this is what we do. Um, we don't do oil and gas. We don't do real estate. This is what we do. Yep, a absolutely. And just for new listeners and viewers, premium calls, when you buy the insurance policies, you still have to continue to pay the premiums on them as the now the new owner of the policy. It's not a lump sum right. one time buy the out. We do. Yeah. So you fund still does. have to manage properly the cash flow within the fund of premiums being paid, uh, policies that mature, have reserves set aside, all those things. So that's why it's so important. And as you mentioned, nervous <laughs> number one, unsavory, you know, undesirable characters. Yes, yes. there's many of them. Uh, as there are in any industry, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, de definitely something for folks to to consider. So one one habit I've observed from very successful folks and very wealthy folks is they're always studying, they're always learning something new. Uh, what have you been up to? What are you studying and learning, Kevin? You know, we spent uh, oh man, we we had to uh, kind of lead the charge from our from our industry uh, against this. Uh, uh, legislation in the budget that was coming down that was going to absolutely devastate the the IRA and Roth IRA markets. Uh, and um, we uh, we were very busy in contacting uh, our representatives, getting in touch with all of our investors and uh, letting them know who their representatives were, telling them what to say, telling them why this was a problem, what it was going to do. Uh, and that that was man, that was uh, an intense two or three months there. And we finally prevailed. Um, cooler heads, I think, prevailed. And uh, all those portions of the legislation were, were withdrawn finally. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, not a lot. <laughs> I have not been doing a lot of reading. Um, we've got uh, we've got some personal issues at home that have, that have uh, been uh, at the forefront of, of, uh, of my time. So um, just... Uh, just work and, and try and relax and spend time with my family. To your point, what you were just saying, I don't think people realize how close mm -hmm. it was last year yes. that most people, and this is obviously in the United States, so Americans, of the massive impact yes. that some of this legislation negatively would have had on their 401ks and their IRAs, especially yes. self-directed. And then again, the secondary and tertiary of, uh, effects on folks providing this and so forth, it would have rocked 
the investment industry uh, <laughs> big time. And there were a lot of people working tire tirelessly behind the scenes, fighting back uh, and, and really you know, uh, keeping their representatives ears warm, as I like to yeah. say. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, behind the scenes, looking at that, I was like, this is going to be crazy if this yes. goes through. This, this is going to rock this economy even more than it has well, you know, at the time. You know, if it had been enacted, if, if it had passed and yep. been enacted, I mean, you're going to devastate the retirement plans of, of virtually every American. And, and we would yep. have really seen the effects of that in 10 years when people don't have the money they thought they were going to have. Uh, yep. and, and you're just making them more reliant on the government, which is, in, in, in my opinion, partly what they want. Yep. And, and the, to your point, Social Security by their own records. I think this has been completely like wiped out of the news. Nobody's talking about this. No, they don't talk about this. No. But it's like 2028, they're done. They're completely, the, the fund, the main fund is completely empty uh, by their own records, their own financial records and their own yeah. disclosures, which is terrible to begin with. You yeah. know, you're getting baked numbers there and cooked well, numbers. It was never designed for what it's being used for, quite yeah. frankly. It never yep. was. Yeah, so there's 80 million, I believe, approximately 80 million Americans uh, right now, depending on Social Security, some sort of form of Social Security. And the projection was by 2025, 2026, around about there, there would be like 120 million Americans. Yeah. And <laughs> by their own admission, they're out of that That's in 2028, gone. out of funds. So and now you, they were going to rock the retirement plans of most a very big portion of the population, you could see that. I mean, it's, it's, it's storm clowns gathering. Yes. So I think we dodged, we dodged, we dodged the bullet there, my friend. Yeah. Very much in an ominous position right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kevin, for folks that want to uh, learn more about this, follow, follow you and, and stay ahead of, and, and just inform of all the projects, yeah. what's the best way to do that and learn more about, um, your funds and, and so forth. Sure. Well, if they want to, we have a, a short video presentation online. If they'd like to watch it, it's it's a little bit dated. We are going to change it here fairly soon. It's uh, at uh, thepenumbraplan.com. Penumbra spelled P-E-N like Nancy, U-M like Mary, B-R-A, thepenumbraplan.com. Uh, it is password protected. They would need a password, which is penumbra, all lowercase. And then um, uh, that will give them access to the uh, to the video presentation, they can call here or email. Uh, my email address is Kevin at Penumbra Solutions with an S.com. Call us. Uh, we're in uh, South Lake, Texas, which is uh, about five minutes to the west of the Dallas Fort Worth Airport. Uh, the, uh, the phone number here is area code 817 479 9770. Happy to spend any time speaking with folks, uh, educating them, and seeing whether or not this is the right investment for them. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again, my friend, and connecting and uh, sharing just uh, this valuable information with my listeners and, and all of my viewers out there. Uh, it's always a pleasure, MC. Hope to see you soon. Absolutely. And thank you to for you, our listeners and viewers, spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me and Kevin on the show today. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. CashflowNinja.com, over 820 shows, tools, resources, programs. And of course, I have to plug, shamelessly plug my new book again, The 21 Base Cashflow Ninjas. Grab a copy on Amazon or at cashflowninja.com forward slash 21 niches. 
Uh, once you do that and you send us a screenshot uh, and a proof of your purchase to my team at infocashflowninja.com, we'll give you access to the digital version, the audio version, a curated library of interviews. Uh, there's some with uh, Kevin in, in there as well discussing uh, life settlements that we talked about today and much, much more. As always, appreciate you. Love infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.